want you to hit me as hard as you can. Why? How much can you know about yourself if you've never been in a fight? Wait, let me start earlier. Like many of you, I was stuck. You want me to deprioritize my current reports yeah. until you advise of a status upgrade? Make these your primary action items. I couldn't sleep. No, you can't die from insomnia. I'd flip through catalogs and wonder, what kind of dining set defines me as a person? This is your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. Welcome. I prayed for a different life. Soap. I make and I sell soap. And this is how I met Tyler Durden. Come on, hit me before I lose my nerve. on the tip of everyone's tongue. Can I be next? We just gave it a name. Gentlemen, welcome to Fight Club. The first rule of Fight Club is... Wow, nice. You do not talk about Fight Club. Is that your blood? Some of it, yeah. After Fight Club, we all started seeing things differently. You're gonna have to keep me up all night. And she ruined everything. You're not into her, are you? No, God, not at all. We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars, but we won't. He had a plan. <laughs> to what purpose? In Tyler, we trusted. We gotta take a fight club up a notch. Each one of you has a homework assignment. You're gonna start a fight with a total stranger. That's not necessary. You're gonna lose. <laughs> that hurt. We're looking for a way to change your life. You got it. I'm stopping this. It's already done, so shut up. What kind of sick game are you playing? Oh my god. Where is my kids? Where is my Where is my This is too much. In the end, you will thank me. Whoa! Whoa! If you could fight anyone, who would you fight? Shatner. I'd fight William Shatner. Transmission will start in five seconds from now. Five, four, three, two, one, hit. And welcome to Waffle On Podcast. My name is Simon Meddings. And I'm MC Kelly. You are, that was a bit of a pause. Are you okay? Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. It's Sunday, isn't it? It's on the brain, ain't really working. Listen, listeners are going to notice there's a, there's a deterioration of our brain power over these bloody podcasts, didn't they? Started off like sharp as a tack. Now it's like, can't remember my own name. <laughs> To, to be honest with you, I, 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 that's a lot because of editing. <laughs> I, just, I just edit the gaps out of us. Um, but, uh, you know, well but there we go. But we, unfortunately, we are. Oh, thank you very much. We are. We are doing this on Skype again. Unfortunately, we're going to be doing this uh, a few more times. Hopefully, 
uh, not for long. Um, before we crack on to the um, main meat of the podcast, so to speak, oh. um, we, we have put a little bit of a notification up on uh, Facebook regarding the, this year's Waffle on Meetup. Uh, yeah. we, we have no plans yet, but we are going to do a bit of research to make sure um, that we don't conflict with any big events in uh, in Birmingham. So more information of that will be coming up. Um, I think we're going to do the same venue, just a bigger room. Yeah, because I yeah, hope it's not going to turn into Fight Club. <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> well, we wouldn't be very good. <laughs> no, we'd be the worst. <laughs> uh, we'd be, be behind the bar, carrying. We'd not Runaway Club, which was our gang at school, weren't it? <laughs> <laughs> runaway. Runaway Club. Blow raspberries as you <laughs> <laughs> I want, I'm going to have I'm gonna, I want badges of those mate the runaway <laughs> club Waffle on presents the runaway club <laughs> <laughs> oh dear mate uh, is there anything you want to mention true. anything you <laughs> yeah because if we don't run away we get beaten up pretty badly <laughs> that's about it that's about right uh, is there anything you want to want to mention before we um we carry on about my godfather last night Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, please do. Tell us how. Yeah, yeah. Now, I tried to attempt to put it on Facebook, but because I'm such a bloody Neanderthal when it comes to technology, I can't work out the privacy settings. So basically, I just send it to myself, <laughs> which is, you know, which is actually all right because my brain is so crap. When it comes, it's a bloody shock. <laughs> oh, so, that's brilliant. You know, you know, yeah, only an hour ago. <laughs> but, you know, there you go. <laughs> so was he was he good for where did you go and see it see the city world you know what the best thing about it was absolutely packed in there Ooh. yeah now for a saturday night three and a half hour movie and it's completely packed in there that is yeah. like, i thought bloody hell it shows you there's a market out there for quality films and i call the people there film fans you know that because like there's a lot of medley you know 40 plus men in glasses which is generally <laughs> hello. Which is, yeah, which is generally like a lot of people. But I mean, no, it's just really good. I love seeing it on the cinema. It was absolutely. Like, the only thing I was disappointed about that it wasn't the it wasn't the full cinema. It was like the letterbox. I don't know why. Uh, okay. I don't know if that's to do with because I think they're all streams these days, aren't they? Unlikely they would have got mm. the film, would they? So I don't know if it was something because it was out the same all over the world. So I don't know if that was something to do with the, and it was like restored footage as well. So I don't know if that was something to do with that was the format mm. that they did it on. But obviously, it could have been just. See, I wanted to see it, it on the you know cinema screen. Mm. Didn't have it. It could be the it could be the remastering issue. That could be that. That's all that is. Yeah, but like I said, I you know it's not like I'm not whether people are walk out. I, I refuse. I'm not going to, you know, I'm my money back because I saw one centimeter of the screen. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, no, it was just amazing, mate. Amazing. Like, Emma had never saw it, didn't like it. Oh, okay, right. But, any uh, any reason why? Or I think mainly she just didn't like the way there was lack of female characters in it. But, like I said to Emma, it's about the mob. They don't really have many women in it. So, tell me, has there ever been uh, a mob boss who's been female? And I don't mean Mar Baker from the uh, Boney M music. Well, to answer your question, no. There's right. been... It's, you're, not, you're not even allowed to really be a non-white male. Oh. You have to be heterosexual white male. So I know that's been, there has been things happened about that. But anyway, I don't get There's been women who've sort of, 
the husbands have been in prison and they mm. might have kept the business going, like gambling or whatever they do. But never in in Sicily, it's very different. Now in Sicily, there has been women who run the mob, mainly yeah. because all the husbands are either dead or in prison, and okay. someone has to run it. But they never officially ever be called a boss. They might run it, but never, never. So it's quite hard to bring women in it. And it is, a, I'd say, it's definitely a film of its time, mm. where 1970, well, 71, when it was out, there was still a there was still a lot of old sexism in cinema, wasn't there? Where a lot of females didn't get great characters, did they? And I think that was still yeah. in up there. And I think mm. Francis Ford Coppola, a bit like Scorsese has always had problem with female characters because he writes from a male point of view. Like now, you wouldn't be able to use that as an excuse, would you? Oh, I can't write women. You just wouldn't well, get in there. No, but I suppose if it's a historically built film, then you can't do anything about that. I mean, I suppose you could say the same thing about Apocalypse Now at the end of the day. Oh. That's, you know, it's the same same thing, but you have to look at the contents. It's a male world, contents. isn't it? But like I said, there's... There's been, like, like I said, in like, the cartels, like the Mexican cartels, Colombian cartels, there's been loads of female buses, loads of them, mm. because they don't care. But the, with, with the mob, it's based on a like, like a very macho culture. It comes from machismo. Mm. So they're never going to admit that they need anyone else. And this is just the way it is. They all love the wives, but the wives have nothing. Not, like There's a bit in the film, which is mm. true, where you're not even allowed to ask your husband about it if he's a mob guy unless he tells you mm. ask him so yeah but I, yeah i think they might like something a bit more well-rounded and it's like it's not really that film even coppola if you see coppola talking about the film he says if, if he did it now he'd do it very very differently he said because he was he'd never done yeah. anything like that it was a really big film and in the book, I've read the book of it, and the, the, the female characters are hardly in it because it's not mm. about that world. But, you know, no. so I think she was sort of disappointed and she found them very paper-thin, the characters, like the female characters, and the way it jumps years really quick. But you can't have a film. It's, it's three, nearly three and a half hours. You can't have it any longer than that. And, and I think that's the that's I wonder, the problem. I wonder if it'd be worth... I wouldn't it be worth watching that edited version then altogether, oh. you know, where it starts off with the Boba De Niro and then go, you know, because oh. that might have a more. I've, I've not seen that. I've only got oh, the classic really films on Blu ray. But, that, you know. Yeah, these Redux mm. or whatever they call it. It's got a bloody name in it, Redux or something like, like that. I'd love to see that. Yeah. I'd love to see that because he hated the. the uh, 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 he hated um, The Godfather 3 because he said he was rushed and, it, you know, it was never going to live up to yeah. the two films. You know, it's just too too good, isn't it? You know, you're never going to do a third film, but it had to be yeah. done to finish the story. And I know I've heard, I'm on a few, like, Godfather groups on Facebook, and so you see this third one, the way it's been re-edited, and it makes it so much better. It just flows mm. better. It's a bit jarring. So, you know, it's a bit 80s as well. But, you know, so... So is that, is that going to be released then? Is that going to be released on the cinema like the first one has been again? No, well, I think... The Everyman were doing today, they were doing back to back. You can see the Godfather one and two. 
So that's that's a lot. I'd love to see that, but I think um, I might be pushing Emma's thing to be in the cinema for six and a half hours. <laughs> so uh, out of curiosity, is Emma going to uh, contribute to uh, when we do Porky's? <laughs> no, we we to that. We've got to be very. We have to, we have to put a very disclaimer on that film when we do that, don't we? I, I think I think we really do. I think we really do. <laughs> I think. But, I think we do. What we said but, um, we, about lately, it's going to be about more films that mean something to us. Not always good. Just that Porky's was a big deal when we were young, weren't it? Yeah, I mean, we were too. We were actually we were too young to go and see it at the cinema. But it's one of those ones which became very much a, a, a video passed around the school, uh, you know, yeah, the school yeah, playground, yeah. so to speak. And, uh, you know, we've had a, a few. I'm going to give just give a quick shout out to Nige and Alex. Uh, I was hoping to meet them at a place called Caffeine and Machinery just outside of Stratford on Friday. With uh, our regular guest uh, podcaster Pete Coleman, I couldn't I couldn't manage to get there. I just didn't I didn't have the time. And yeah. um, but they they would say they're both key, you know big listeners of the show. And uh, was because they they there's noted that a few of the things that we've done recently they've never heard of or never seen. Um, but which is quite good actually because it means people educate for it. And uh, I said, oh, trust me, there's going to be a couple of ones coming up soon where they will have seen them. <laughs> yes, if you're a male in in your forties. Yeah. You would have saw Porky's grabbing up because that's as near you could get to like naked women, weren't it? Yeah, yeah. Apart from Carry On, which was you know really kind of a, a soft version of that. But anyway, let's anyway, crack on. Uh, no, we'll do... get into that, won't we? <laughs> <laughs> and Cal, what do we do uh, before we oh. talk about the show? You play some form of theme tune.
And uh, that's hopefully uh, done so by the Dust Brothers. Brothers. Yeah, now you big fan of the Dust Brothers. Oh, blimey. Well, well, I was at the bloody hell. I know, yeah, like, look well, at the size of my forehead on the glare. She <laughs> ain't got a bloody sunbed on there, man. <laughs> Somebody got a sunbed on. <laughs> it's good. You know, that's it's fine, isn't it? It's because the, the, <laughs> the light, my bedroom light, is behind the, the camera on the laptop. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, as long as you don't get the teeth whitening and anal bleaching, I don't fucking see that. <laughs> you certainly won't be on a webcam. <laughs> only fans you know people are both for it um <laughs> no my luck i'd end up having to pay then <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it yeah. anyway let's get out uh, let's get out the good that's that early that's me i apologize uh, i loved them at the time because we my only interesting fact about is them is the chemical brothers over here they were called the dust brothers at the same time and oh, went okay. to a court case and they lost. <laughs> oh, right, <laughs> so they became, okay. But they became the Chemical Brothers, which mm. didn't do him in the arm in the end, did it? Well, no, I think he did him a, a you know a great service, really. Because, because I don't even it. know what the Dust Brothers do now. They're probably doing producing or something. I, like I said, I, I forgot how bloody good the soundtrack is in this film. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, originally, uh, uh, David Fincher wanted Tom York and Radiohead to do the music yeah. for it. But they were too exhausted from doing OK Computer, so they never yeah. got Radiohead. You can just tell that it, like... That film says Radiohead, doesn't it? It's like oh, it's, it just sounds like a Radiohead song. But th- before we start, what I say is just I watched this film in. How long would you say you watched this film? Now we were saying this. I reckon twenty years. Uh, for me, probably a lot longer. I think the last time I saw it was when we lived together in the first flat. But so. what, why have I watched this film in twenty years? Actually, you know what? I don't think I've seen it since I saw it at the cinema. Thinking about it. I'll just get out of the way. It's, I think it's fucking amazing. It's, oh, I yeah. forgot how fucking amazing this film is. But did, anyway. you, did you notice more because yeah. you're reviewing it? Yeah. Definitely. Well, I think, right, watching it, I think this film worked better for me um, when I'm older. Like, hmm. I'll, I'll tell you the same kind of way this is. This is going back to a little bit the Godfather back, right? Now, when I watched The Godfather when I was young, it was always Marlon Brando was the bad guy, Michael was the good guy, right? right. Because I'm young. Oh, he's like, he's a young, you know, he's pretty old people. But as I've got older and watched it when I'm 48, I realise that, no, Michael's the bad guy mm. and Marlon Brando's the good guy. Mm. He wants to keep everyone out of it. Right. In the same kind of way with this film, like, when I watched it when I was young, I was too young. So I didn't really understand, you know, that job being a boring job for a long time and trying to fill your life up with stuff. Because never had any bloody money. Yeah. So you start buying stuff to make you feel happy as you get older. And it don't really work, does it? And that's that bit in that film. So I definitely appreciated being 48 than I did watching it when I was what, 19 or whatever. No, mm. 22 or whatever it really was. So that's what I thought about it. I would so much enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it at the time. But being old, older, so to say, it just m- meant so much more to me. Some of the things that he's talking about, I understood some mm. of the philosophy that he's talking about yeah, that yeah. jack stuff isn't it now i really never paid attention to that when it was fingers you just you just wanted the violence when you're young let's be honest about it and brad pitt looking cool and right? brad pitt looking cool yeah and I, you write about the things that it says what you what you just pointed over one of the lines in it is uh things you own end up owning you yeah. Which is very much right because you know I'm I'm in that kind of thing where I collect various things yeah, yeah. and and you think well I've got to get the next one because I've already got all of them, you know. And 
the whole, as you said, the whole philosophy in this film is so, so strong. It's unbelievable. And I, I was the same. I was watching it. I was like, man. And a bit like, you know, spoiler alert, there is only one character in this film. There is no, there is no two characters in it. But, you know, I ended up trying to figure out if I could tell that there's only the narrator because the Edward Norton character doesn't have a name. No, no, uh, no. Apart from, I think I have this written down. I looked it up earlier on. In the second book, Fight Club 2, um, I believe he has a name, and I think it's it's uh, Sebastian. So I haven't read the second book. I never. No. And it says it says on here the narrator's name is not Jack, rather Sebastian. His name is revealed in the second novel, Fight Club Two, written uh, by Chuck uh, Planning. So the the whole of this film is is kind of like I was there going, well, you know, is there any? And there is. There's loads of evidence to prove that he's talking to himself throughout the whole of this film. But when I saw it at the cinema, I did not notice a single thing. Really, with the beginning, the the beginning when he's talking to the doctor. And the mm. doctor goes, oh, insomnia doesn't kill you. And he goes, what about narcolepsy? I fall asleep and then wake up in different places. Yeah. It's so blatantly, blatantly obvious that it's like in the book. It's blatantly obvious. Mm. So I saw the film before I read the book. Yeah. So when I read the book, it's like, oh, it's so blatantly obvious. But I don't know if that's because I saw the film and mm. that sort of infected my view of it. It's hard to say, isn't it? But, yeah, I, I think so, because he turned around, the writer of the book turned around and said that he thinks the the film improved his book, which is a very rare thing for a writer to turn around and say. Also very honourable of him to say that as well. Yeah, well, Chuck Mahunik, like I said, I read loads of his books around the time. He's an amazing writer, but I know what he means. A lot of his books are very visual. Mm. And, like, and, and like I said, it's such a film of the 90s again, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's the clothing in it and stuff like that. And the whole obsession with Ikea, which is really good, you know, and his condo looks, I think, looks looks amazing. But there's just the only person in the whole of this film who virtually acknowledges that there is there's only one person when we think there's two. He's uh, Helena Bonham Carter. Some of the things she says to him, doesn't she? Yeah. Fucking talking about like that. He said, uh, who are you having sex with? Are you fucking talking about? Yeah. So, so when you see the third off, it's like, oh, it's so obvious. <laughs> yeah. And I say, when you just don't pick that up when you first see it, do you? No. And the fact that you never see him in the same room as her yeah. when he's there. Um, and the same thing as well when he says, you know, don't talk about me. You know, just yeah. don't don't talk about me. And that that kind of comes up quite a bit. And you think, oh, bloody hell, yeah. Now, this is obviously this is directed by David Fincher. Uh, he's he's nearly 60 years old now. And uh, I wrote down I wrote down what he'd done bef- kind of before this and going on. Uh, he directed numerous music videos, most notably Madonna's Express Yourself in 1989 and Vogue in 1990, both of which won him the MTV Music Award for Best Direction. He made his feature film debut with Alien 3 uh, in 92, which garnered mixed reviews, followed by the thriller Seven, which was, oh. you know, is a, an amazing film. One I can't watch, though. That's the only downside of that, um, which was better received, obviously. He then did The Game, which I think is a great film right. with Michael Douglas. And then, obviously, with Fight Club. But the one film that stands out for me, I think, and I'm not 100% sure why, why this is, I think it's Panic Room with Jodie Foster. And I think in that film, he really... You know when you see directors and you say, yeah, that's classic Hitchcock or that's classic Coppola. Yeah. Classic Fincher is having the camera going okay. through things. You know, he does it with going through the waste paper basket. He does it going through the kettle, which yeah. I'm sure is actually in Panic Room. And I'm sure you've got the same kind of things in Seven. Do you think he's one of those directors that 
he's he's not as acknowledged as what he should be. Oh, nowhere near right. He's like I know they use that term auteur, whatever that. It's a like, loads of terms, but to me, he's a proper auteur where his personality is all over the film. And like with Alien Three, isn't it? You never saw his cut, did you? Because if he walked out on the film, didn't they? And mm. they made it without him. And he says he wants to release, you know, release his director's cut. Which is mad, really. But now it's pretty normal now, and people do it all the while. And I'd love to yeah. see that Alien Three. But I just think, like I said, I think so many people used what he did. I tell you what, I noticed about Fight Club with him. It's editing. Mm. The editing's amazing in this film. It's so much going on with sound and effects and dialogue and like you know dreams and visions. And I just think he's so good at putting it. Like Hitchcock, isn't he? Yeah. Very much putting everything to he's so good at it. And like I said, some of the camera moving around is absolutely brilliant, isn't it? And there's some accidental ones as well. The scene in which uh the uh one of it one of the, the group of the fight club spray the vicar with the water when he's walking along. If you notice right. the camera wobbles at that shot, right? When they do oh, it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Now that really should have been reshot and redone, but he kept it in. The reason why it was moving was because the cameraman was laughing. Oh. And watching the vicar lose his temper. It is and funny. And like up and hit him and then, and then run off, which I think is, is just brilliant. But I like that because it kind of adds a bit of yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of feeling that you're actually there and you're actually part of this group and this club that's going on. Um, let's just talk briefly about the people that are in it. Um, you've gone very dark, by the way. <laughs> oh, I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, it's only it's because every now and again you move away from your light, so I'm kind of looking at it's oh, like yeah, looking yeah. at a, it's oh, like yeah, looking at that, a shadow. Yeah. I know, yeah, it's like it's like a Bond film. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. um, now, Edward Norton, he he's somebody who does get a bit of a has got a bit of a reputation in Hollywood. Uh, he's um, he's born uh, August the eighteenth, nineteen sixty nine, so he's fifty two in Boston, Massachusetts. As again, we you know he does not have a name in this film. He's known as the narrator. Um, he's done some very interesting films. He's done some great films, and he right. is without a question. He's been classed as one of the greatest actors of uh, of his generation. And I think that's possibly right. He's not a likable person by any means, but. Somebody turned around and said, because he's, he's well known for doing no publicity for the Italian job. He didn't want to do it. His contract. That was advice. a big problem film with him, weren't it? Yeah, he ended up editing uh, one of his films. He changed the whole ending, which naturally pissed off the director. Yet the director says that he still wants to work with him again. Is that American History X? Because he had. He was American like, History X. Yeah, he yeah. Like he had Tony Finger, didn't he? Yeah, he had. And he never worked again. He never did a film again, did he? No, which which is weird because he actually has said that he wants to work with Edward Norton again. Now it's a great film. It's a great. It is a brilliant film. It's certainly a, a hard hitting film, but yeah, it, it yeah. actually does things that not a lot of these films do, where you see a lot of redemption going on in it. And I yeah, think it's yeah, a great yeah. film. It's very disturbing. Very, very disturbing so, film. Yeah. And but I think that's really through Norton's performance. And I thought he was great in The Incredible Hulk. And part of me is a little bit kind of like miffed that he didn't carry on to do it in the Avengers. But saying that. I think Mark Ruffalo is fabulous in it anyway. Yeah. And maybe it wouldn't have been the kind of... I don't think he could have stomached a comic book ensemble more than anything. I don't think he would have been able to have carried it on with it because Drew Barrymore is one of his best friends is Drew Barrymore, which is the reason why you keep seeing Drew Barrymore things in his film. There's oh. the, the, the magazine on the floor in the toilet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's, oh. there's a thing for something dates. I think it was a film that he did, he did with her. But she turned around because the trouble is that people misconcept professionalism and, you know, uh, dedication to getting the best out of everything to being a pain in the arse. Pain in the arse, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And unfortunately, people don't like when someone turns around and says no to you in Hollywood. They don't like it. 
Well, it's the same kind of way you must where you're getting through. It's like Peter O'Toole, isn't it? Mm. Peter O'Toole could have been, there's no doubt, he could be a, <laughs> an arse. Oh, yeah. But yeah. it's only because he wanted the best film. Mm. And that, it was never about trying to ruin a film. And I think it was never about trying to ruin a film. He just wanted the best film possible. Yeah. And I think he sort of lightened up because I thought he was a really amazing Birdman. Oh, well. It's really funny, isn't it? It's really funny. And also, as well, people have mentioned, because is he actually doing a bit of a, a, a self deprecating version of himself in that film because everything he does in that film he's been accused of in real life and you can't help but think is he just generally is he taking the piss here and saying yeah i know what i'm like i know what i have been like um but this because let's face it that's happened in many a film do you know what i mean i think dustin hoffman did that as well when he's you know he broke away from being up his own ass as well to a to a certain degree you know what i mean yeah. But I, th- I think Birdman is his be- the best film he's ever done, frankently. Yeah, that's it's great. Like I said, so that you know, that's that's got to be a waffle line, I mean, at some point that has. Yeah, because that's available on uh, Disney, isn't it? As well. Great film, great yeah, film. I yeah, I, I might it, own it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, but he's. I don't know. I think as well. I think as well with him in this film, he's like a, he's an everyman, isn't he? And yeah. I think that you do understand even though we didn't because we had nothing like that, but you do understand that thing of being that age 30 because he's meant to be 30 isn't he mm. so it's that growing up like and it's like there's got to be more to your life than this you, mm. you think everyone goes through this i know it's a very again quite a male-centric film but chuck Bahunik was all about men mm. because the thing with chuck Bahunik is a gay man who oh, right, okay. worked in a fact yeah he, worked, he was a gay man and he worked in a factory mm. right when he was like uh, writing, and uh, he had to fit in, so he used to act all alpha male. Oh, okay. So acting, and I think this is where they got the idea of Fight Club from. That you know, men without without fighting, they're not they're not men, which is mm. actually rubbish, load of rubbish, isn't it? Oh yeah, I mean, it says here that um, yeah, he first he first came up with the idea for the novel after being beaten up on a camping trip. When he complained to some nearby campers about the noise of their radio, when he returned to work, he was fascinated to find that nobody would mention or acknowledge his injuries. Instead, saying such commonplace things as, how was your weekend? He concluded that the reason people reacted this way was because if they asked him what had happened, a degree of personal interaction would be necessary. And his workmates simply didn't care enough to connect with him on a personal level. It was his fascination with this social blocking, which became the foundation for the for the for the novel. And I think that's a really interesting thing to, to talk about because everyone does that. I mean, we work in a you know in a factory. We're working a you know fairly blue collar yeah. kind of society in which generally no one really asks you what what you've been doing or anything like that unless you promote what you've been doing. No one generally cares. No one um, cares. No. no. So you could get up to anything and no one's going to realise it. And I like the thing about in this film. Okay, he works in an office, but. He works in an office doing a job that he constantly hates. And there's part of it when I was watching this, you know, the whole thing of him just sitting there going, I don't want to go in. I don't want to do this. And you end up looking at, so I think that's the reason why you end up buying so much shit from Amazon because you end up there at work and you think, oh, I'm just going to look at, and you, you something will come across some kind of music on the radio or yeah, some, yeah, yeah. somebody will mention like, like the, the Batman's coming out this week and you'll go, oh, you know what? I have, I don't think I've seen, or I don't think I've read the comic that is Frank Miller comic that it's going to be based on. You know, I might go and buy it because you just end up buying stuff. And he's, his version of that is, he's, he's, he's you know, composition in his life with furniture from, I don't think he's called Ikea in this. He's, no, called, no, some, he's called something else for thing, but it clearly is Ikea. Yeah. Yeah, it clearly is Ikea, do you know what I mean? And I think we've all done it. And I think that's to a certain degree, when you're doing a job which is fairly fucking boring, 
Yeah. Everyone's in this kind of thing. And then you look for Senegas on. And I love the fact that he uses the whole thing of going to self-help groups. Did and that- then you and then you see the Helena Bonham Carter uh, role as uh, Marla Singer um, doing exactly the same thing. Her argument is, well, it's cheaper than going to the cinema and they give you free coffee. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I like that. I actually like that. Ca- I love her character in this film. I think her character is brilliant because she's clearly fucked up. But oh. she's kind of like, he doesn't like her. She doesn't like him. But there's, there is that ultimate connection to it, you know, in phoning her up and... And doing all that kind of stuff and having this agreement that goes on and her noticing that he's not there. Yeah, definitely. And as well, I tell you, I think as well, like all the stuff that he's like, I think that this film, it'd be even more relevant if it come out today than then. Because mm. instead of the IKEA furniture now, it's about tech now. Yeah. Isn't it? You've yeah. got to have the newest tech, which mm. is just another way of redrawing yourself from the, the world, isn't it? You know, mm. like, like I said, I, you know. When you go to a restaurant, it's very normal now to see a group of people around a restaurant on the phones and not speaking. Mm. I'll tell you what, it's the same kind of thing up on Christmas Day. I said to my wife about this. I was as I went to my phone, there's about you know, 20 people in this house at Christmas Day. Mm. And I looked up and I was the only one not on my phone on the middle of Christmas Day. Really? And, just, and no one said a thing, it was normalised, weren't it? Mm. And I'm thinking that kind of thing is very much what this film. He's talking about that the only thing you've got is, is, is you know, communication and people in it. That's the only thing you've got that makes mm. you not an animal. And we don't want to do it. We'd rather lock ourselves in a room and buy shit to yeah. make you feel yeah. well, or, happy because you ain't happy. Just, no. you or, you're, then, or you end up flicking through Instagram or Twitter or Facebook just looking at what other people are doing. Which, which is, I mean, don't get me wrong, there is, a, you know, everyone does it. I mean, I've got Instagram and I've got Twitter. I mean, I mainly use it, hopefully, for, for Waffle On, because I, I'm sick to death of it. I, I you know, and I, I get into, well, I don't get into arguments, but I get quite annoyed at home when, like, we, we, we've been watching, um, you know, like I said to you, I've been watching every single Star Trek film. Yeah. And we got First Contact, I think we're going to watch First Contact tonight, I'm not too sure. But, you know, I, I kind of demand now that that all, okay. all phones go put phones down. Right, you're watching a film now, and this is it because it, it grates on my nerves so much. But you're right about going to restaurants. I was out the other week, and I was there going, "Kid, what are these people doing?" It's and, normal, and, isn't it? and I've seen it where, mind you, we, we, we see a word which is ridiculous, yeah. where people text each other who are in the same bloody building. It's like yeah. I've, I've seen people text each other from opposite table. Oh, right, maybe if there's something going on, I'm saying, uh, "Are you going to talk about so and so about?" Yeah, so-? yeah, yeah. That's yeah. My, that might be him. But it's like. What what are you doing? Now, don't get me wrong, I've got no qualms with people taking pictures of their food and stuff because there's that much blogging going on these days and there's that much kind of reviews going on these days. Okay, you kind of accept that kind of thing. But then when you actually have the phone on the table, it's like, why is, why is your phone on the table? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. You, you, you bang on right that nowadays a modern version of, of what Fight Club's talking about is modern modern media, you know, modern and now it's destroying communi- you know, communication with your it, fellow man. It's infected, like, every part of your life. And, you know, even if you think you're not involved in it, you are. You hmm. are because you have to use it to get anywhere these days. Well, yeah, and I mean... You're ostracised and yeah. just become on your own in the thing. And, you know, and that's not good. And this, and I think this film, is, I said, is more relevant for today than I think then. Because then, in the 90s, everyone was going out and doing mm. stuff, weren't they? Like, no, you know, people yeah, not anymore like that. And also, I'm not being hypocritical about it. Well, I'm trying not to be hypocritical about it because we wouldn't have a podcast if we didn't have this kind of media. You know, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing now without the promotion of it. And, of course, unfortunately, what's going on at the moment in the world, you know, and, and yeah. 
I mean, we're not a political podcast, so we won't really go into it, but we're supporting yellow and blue. Oh, um, yes. You know what I mean? Um, we, 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 I get to find out more what is going on in Ukraine at the moment via Twitter. Because yeah. you go to Twitter, it's trending, and you're getting news reports direct from from Ukraine. At the moment, you're getting news reports of people using computer-generated footage from games that people have said that this is a Russian jet. There was one yesterday about a photograph of a Russian jet flying over Birmingham. Why would it be flying over Birmingham? <laughs> but it was flying over Birmingham. It's not. It's from a bloody computer game, you idiots. You know, but this is how quickly this kind of spreads. But also, you are getting up-to-date information. Now, I like looking at the news and stuff like that because other news stations, and rightly so, have to edit what their content's going to be. They've got to pull out the relevant kind of information. Yet, if you've got somebody on the ground saying, like the president of Ukraine did the other day where he tweeted himself in his flat jacket, you, I mean, you go, no wonder you, you know, this is what the news you get. So there is a, there is the positive points of it. But I, I honestly do believe that you would get people who get to the point where they work in a job, which is social media, working from home, which a lot of yeah. people have to be doing. So I'm saying, I miss this social interaction. I miss this, especially after we've had lockdown, where you haven't been able to have social yeah. interaction. You might get that scenario where, where people want to go and join clubs and get some, you know, get some anger and some tension out of them. Because... Yeah. We're not we're not that way inclined. But one of our mates at work says that he he likes doing his fitness and and using a punch bag because he gets all that tension out of him. Not not my cup of tea because one, I, I, if I did that, I'd go and break my bloody fingers. Now you mean? Yeah, yeah, like me, but yeah. I can totally understand what pe- why people would do it. I guess you get that kind of the same scenario with possibly football hooliganism and stuff like that. And yeah, this is felt really- down into it. We're not going to talk about Brad Pitt because we talked about Brad Pitt in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. We and, both, and also and also in um uh in um the other film we did uh, the other day, uh, True Romance. So yeah. well, he is amazingly cool in this film, isn't he? I remember. Oh, I remember. Wanted to be Tyler. Day. <laughs> well, I wasn't really that bothered about his body because I knew that weren't ever going to happen. But I no. did have his, I did have his hair, the spiky hair. I did go for that. I might have spiky hair. But his leather jacket oh, yeah. in that film is amazing. I still wonder. I love leather jackets anyway. I, I think, like I said, I think like I think that's like peak Brad Pitt, isn't it? It was at his peak there. You know, very very good looking man. There's no oh, doubt. I think, I think he's, he's his physique is like fucking out. It's like if you're going to put it into a computer, your physique to look like. You go, yeah, Brad Pitt in fucking Fight Club, and yeah, <laughs> he's and a very rich man. In the film, isn't that? That's another thing. That's a big saying as well. When he's on the bus talking about physiques, you know, yeah, and saying that's not a good physique, and he's got that physique. He's got that and physique. That's yeah. like a bit of a clue, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's the clue. I mean, oh. just a bit of a knowledge of this one. Brad Pitt was paid seventeen point five million dollars to do to do this film. Would you like to have a guess of how much Edward Norton was paid? 10 million? No, a lot lower. 5 million? 2.5. What? I know. And he's know. got all the lines? He's got all the lines, yeah. But who's the selling power of this film? Brad Pitt, then. Brad Pitt. It? Yeah, Brad Pitt, clearly. And he's still, he's still the pulling power now, you know what I mean? I, I still think he is. But the, there's, you know, the first time that we, we kind of really see Tyler Durden is, apart from the subliminal clips, which you get, I write this down, you get between four and five, maybe five subliminal clips of him. Just oh. flashing up on screen oh, right, right. right at the beginning until you see him on the escalator going in the opposite direction, right? Uh-huh. which is really cool. Um, and then, of course, you get to see him properly when he, he sits on the plane. The biggest clue there is they've got the same suitcases. Yeah, 
He says that's that. The don't biggest, know. That's the biggest clue. And he, go, and he makes soap. And you go, well, why is he making soap? Well, of course, he's already started his campaign. That's the mad thing. He's already started the campaign. Um, we briefly mentioned Helen the Bottom Carter. I don't think we've done a film with her before. She plays Myla Singer. She's 55 years old at point recording, born 26th of May, 66 in London. Um, wonderful actress. Uh, right. uh, just brilliant. I mean, she, she's mad as hats in real life yeah, yeah. so um to, to, to actually cast her in this was great uh, an actress who actually auditioned for this role who i don't think you'd probably think would really but i had the massive hots for her when we were younger and uh she was in uh brookside do you remember her name oh, anna frail anna frail auditioned anna frail, for this role yeah, yeah. I can't imagine anna, but then again it's the scripts are good a good actor can make uh, you know, yeah. Anything I, of anything. Yeah. She's great in this. Like, she's not in it loads. Is she? You had it no. more. She's probably not yeah. in it. She's oh, not. And, and when she is in it, she steals the scenes, I think, yeah, personally. Yeah, yeah. Um, we talked briefly about, well, the other day, there is a sex scene in this film, um, which is which is quite a, uh, a very strange kind of sex scene in it. In real life, that was actually um, filmed using the same uh, camera equipment that they did bullet time in The Matrix. Okay? Ah, right. And then what they did was they put the CGI naked bodies of Helen. They were clothed when they filmed that scene. They were not naked. So that was that's all CGI, that is. But there's yeah. one there's one scene in that which um nearly got nearly got cut because the 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 the, the producer the big producer of 20th Century Fox didn't like it. And that's the scene, you know, when he's listening at the door yeah. and Brad Pitt opens the door and he's just got that one rubber glove on. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. She wanted the person who wanted that cut because she turned around and said it just brings up too much. You know, what what filth is going on in there? But he got the biggest laugh out of the whole film was him just standing there with that glove. I think it's a brilliant scene. I do. I think it really makes me laugh because you do end up going, well, on earth is he's going on. He's <laughs> going on having a rubber yeah, glove. Yeah. But it also reminded me of Toast of London. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Now, the, the reason why we wanted to talk about, and as everyone knows in Waffle On, uh, our Waffle On uh, listeners there, we, 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 we no longer break that. We no longer go through the film talking about every little bit. We, we just, and it's just, you just add bits in. But the reason why we, we wanted to do this film was for one reason, wasn't it? Meatloaf. Mm-hmm. Who passed away sadly um, on the um, January the 20th of this year at the age of. 74. He plays Robert Paulson, born Bob, uh, known as Bob in the film. Uh, his real name, for anyone who don't know, is Marvin Lee Addy. He was born in Texas. Now, sadly, he he, he did pass away from COVID, a COVID-related yeah. illness, which is a certain irony of that because he was a bit of a anti-vaxxer and a, uh, a mask, um, you know, didn't really agree with wearing a mask. Yeah. But his family have turned around and said, this is evidence to prove that you really should be. Is that he was... <laughs> He was ill anyway, and he he had suffered from various illnesses, but still a great loss. I mean, he's such a such a powerful presence in real life and in the music scene, and of course in in various films that he'd been in. He'd been in a lot of films, Rocky Horror, which we are going to play "Hot Pursuit, Bless My Soul" at the end of this podcast yeah, 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 for yeah. those who do stay to the end. But uh, he's brilliant. I mean, he's acting in this is fabulous, oh, isn't and it's complete the most completely demasculated man in it. Oh yeah, the whole the whole thing that he's he's had to take steroids and he's produced too much estrogen to, to produce his breasts. He was actually wearing a massive fat suit during that, which was filmed filled with uh, I believe oats, so that it would hang properly as if fat oh, would. Right, yeah. Which is the reason why he's the one of the only people in this film who breaks the rules of Fight Club twice. Okay, how, how, how so? Okay, so he talks to the narrator about Fight Club in the street. He does, doesn't he? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah. He also 
the rules of Fight Club is you must fight bare-chested. He never fights bare-chested throughout this film. Oh, right. That's a good point, actually. Yeah. The reason for that is, of course, he's wearing a fat suit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine how much that would cost to have him in prosthetics to make him look... Uh, the thing is, he's really nice, isn't he? Bobby's lovely, which is the reason why when he gets shot in the head, it's so disturbing. And I love the fact that the narrator in this then suddenly turns. And even then, even then, you're going, well, is he... Is he two people in this? When you yeah. because you know, he doesn't know because he doesn't the know fact that none of them are, are kind of like you know acknowledging him in that scene. You know, um, I know your your good lady wife uh, has one of her favourite actors is in this film, uh, Jared Leto. He's very, he's very young in this, isn't he? He's very he's very young in this. And to answer you, I remember at the time hoping he had his face pummeled yeah. in this film. Well, I love that, <laughs> even though it's really nasty bit. I just wanted to destroy something beautiful. I love that. Yeah, that's a beautiful. It's really horrible though, because that's when you realise it. He's a bloody. He's not right in it. That. No, he's a he's a he's a psychopath. Um, he's. Uh, it's weird because he's jealous. Yeah. Of his thing with Brad Pitt, isn't he? That's yeah. what it's all about. Even Which though is, that's him. That's him. Which is mad. <laughs> but I think that's the thing where you you, you it, it's really hard to call this film out of knowing that you can tell that there's there's only one person in it because they all follow well he follows tyler out but then there's another thing in it where if you notice you know the valet who drives yeah. up with the airport car yeah, yeah he says there you go mr durden he doesn't look at brad pitt he looks oh, at edward God. norton when he says it ah oh, i didn't even see okay. that the car crash right who's driving the car when that's a good point who's driving the car no one. Tyler, no, Brad Pitt's driving the car when they crash because he's yeah. like, he's doing that with his hands behind his head, yeah. isn't he? Here we go. Yeah. What side of the car does Edward Norton get out of? Oh, yeah, he does, yeah. Driver's side of the car. Bloody uh, hell. See what I mean? There's these kind of things that when you, you, you're then reviewing it and going back and looking at it, you're thinking, oh, God, yeah. You know, it'd be good. We've got to put a call out now, a shout out now to any Waffle On listeners who are listening to this and have not seen the film. Oh, yeah, good. They're going to be spoiled, but it's pretty hard not to know about this film now. And, you know, mm. did they get it when they watched it? Did they pick that up? Obviously, they know about it now. But what I'd love yeah. to know is, did they, could they have guessed it without that? Or they were like us where we were in the cinema where everyone went, no fucking way at the end, <laughs> weren't it, when it happened? Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. You're another brilliant thing of being in the cinema where you're yeah. all in it together. Yeah. Or a bit like Ryan Usual Suspects when he guessed it and he got, oh, I worked it out. Fuck off. No, you didn't let it. Usual Suspects, you cannot uh, work that out. I, did, I don't know. No, 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 no. Our good mate, Mr. Ray, listens to this podcast and I, yes. I, we both say to him constantly, and he still maintains that he guessed Fuck it. Off. I mean, you know, come on. I mean, he may well have done. You never know. I don't think yes. so because I didn't get it. I didn't get no. it. No one got it. But, but I mean, that was. This, I'd like to know if anyone who hasn't saw this film, watch it and get back in touch with us mm. and say, well, I never would have guessed it if you would have told us. Obviously, ending. Or yeah. is it a wee a bit thick? And people watch it go, that's bloody really obvious, isn't it? <laughs> well, the, thing, the thing is, is that I mean, unfortunately, in America. Um, the, uh, the the ironic thing is here, I keep getting Norton security popping up on my computer, which keeps <laughs> throwing me because I keep thinking it's Edward Norton. Um, the, the, Rosie O'Donnell, a uh, well-known chat show host and actress in America, actually hated this film so much that she gave the twist, gave the ending away on her on her show and told people not to go and see it. Um, this obviously didn't go down well with Brad Pitt or Edward Norton or David Fincher at all. And uh, what a thing to do. I mean, it, it's bad enough when you're, you know, you go and see a film. Now, there's one character in this film who I think it's a, it's 
it's really sad. It's a really sad bit, and it's Chloe who's in the cancer, the dying of cancer. Group. Oh no, that's a whole. I forgot. I'd forgot that scene. Yeah, but the way it's really sad, but also funnily sad as well, isn't it? It's very dark humour. When she's yeah, talking I, about the fact that she just wants to get laid one last it time, it made me laugh. That did because she mm. goes and she. I got yeah. pornographic videos. I got, yeah, got lubrication. Lo- <laughs> I got trait. <laughs> And the way the woman just takes them off. But it's kind of like, you know, I also there's there's so much of a, a humanist point of view there where just because you're dying, you still have human ones, you still have your needs. And I think that's such a touching bit as well. And also the fact that when when um uh when he finds out the narrator finds out that Chloe passed away. There is a hint of sadness there. You, you haven't been for ages, you know. You, she did pass away, and I think it's a wonderful, wonderful bit of writing. Nays. It kind of it takes you out of how much violence is in this film. But really, when you watch it, apart from the folk club bit where they are fighting, there's not an awful lot of violence in this film compared, at, compared at all. to films yeah. now. I know at the time this film got in loads of trouble because of the violence, but you watch it now, and I thought, well, it's like films are far more violent now. Well, there's, there's also TV's thing that, more violent. Oh, TV's more violent. Well, we've got the stuff like Reacher, we've got stuff like The Punisher, yeah. you've got stuff like with Kingpin. Now, the interesting thing is when he, when he, him and the narrator and Tyler have their first fight outside the club, if you notice the two people or the three people who come out, they walk, they walk, yeah. normally, if you're seeing two guys having a fight, you're not going to get involved, are you? You're going to go, no. oh, what's going to... Why do they walk over? Yeah. Why do they? Because he's whacking himself in the fucking face, isn't he? Yep. And he's also doing the exact same moves as when he beats himself up in his boss's office and he says, this is what he first first felt like when I had the fight. He's doing near enough the exact same moves that he did outside oh, that bar. That bit in the bar, in the with his boss is amazing, no. Oh, it is amazing because that everyone has a boss like that and you think, yeah, yeah he's such yeah. a douchebag. But also on another point, you can't blame him because the guy's not doing his work. No. He's photocopying stuff for work. And he looks a mess. He doesn't look right for it. And I think, really, to be fair, he, he thinks that the, the boss is a bit of a douchebag. But I think the boss has been pretty lenient with him, if you're no, yeah. asking me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, yeah. Celebrity Fight Club, I laughed at this because we need to... Who, who, do you remember who they want to fight in the Celebrity yeah, Fight Club? Yeah, uh, it's Ernest Hemingway and yeah. uh, Bill Shatner in it. Who, who did me and you want to fight? In a, whether, maybe we got this idea from that, but we had three people, didn't we? Do you remember who they were? Tony Todd. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, there's four people then. Yeah, yeah. it was Tony Todd, didn't it? Maybe because he, he rolled down the hill and he knocked <laughs> all them zombies down, rolling down the hill. Right? <laughs> yeah. We were always to Shatner, weren't we? Always Shatner. Only because he threw his massive girth at people in Star Trek, and that was his comfort skill. Yeah, yeah. Big lump flying in the air. And his two fisted uh, punches. Yeah, yeah. Big Pat McGowan, isn't it? Big Pat McGowan, and there was one yeah, yeah. more. Who was the other one? Who was it? He flew over filing cabinets a lot. Oh, it was uh, Roy Thins. Roy Thins, yeah. 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 That was our celebrity fight club. Yeah. Well, this was a day when you could do fanzines. We talked about doing a fanzine, didn't we? All about celebrity fighters, didn't celebrity we? Celebrity fighters, yeah. Which is what I want it because then you had that animation. Um, I don't know if it was done by the people who did... Oh, yeah, uh, the um, Celebrity Deathmatch. Celebrity Deathmatch, didn't it? That came later on, that did. The historical fight, um, they say Gandhi and Abraham Lincoln, both of <laughs> us. Of course, I was laughing my socks off when he said Gandhi because I was automatically went Red straight Wolf. to Red Dwarf. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Don't I bore me, Gandhi. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. Nah, nah. It's interesting, though, isn't it? Because I think... What I've about this film, that... that 
I was looking at some what people are saying online about this. Now, would you say violence in his film is positive or negative? Ooh, well, any violence in his film is generally negative, isn't it? I think it's pretty negative, I think, because the, the whole point is, 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 one, it's especially later on when you – not so much the Fight Club bit. Yeah. I don't think I – I mean, I wouldn't say it's positive, but I can understand why. Later on, when, when they're starting to do the terrorist campaign, which you get the violence of Bob being shot, the yeah, whole yeah. thing of like causing uh, violence, of smashing the cars up. Interesting fact for you here. Both Edward Norton and Brad Pitt hated the new design of the VW Beetle, which is the reason why he gets smashed up in the in when they're walking along in, with the cars. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't think there's... Is there really any justification for violence in I any film? I don't know because I think there's an interest me when you're watching the fight club, especially not at the right beginning, but when they set up the club in the underneath the bar. Yeah. When people are being beat up, they're smiling. Well, because they're enjoying it. They're enjoying it, and but I think th- I think it's got a lot. It's a lot going on there now. If you remember, what we don't know. We're gonna. I'm gonna take you back to something that happened to you on the when we went and saw the film. You know what it is, don't you? If you remember, no. that was the night. <laughs> Well, you were beat up. No, you weren't. We went to the nightclub. No. Me, you and Kev had been and saw it in the day. We saw it on Saturday afternoon. Really? Do you know, it stuck with me because... There's irony. No, it just stuck with me because that is the worst violence I've ever been involved with. Even though in a scale of violence like people we know, it's nothing. But... I think he was, before he that, was for me. He was for me. No, but the point is, though, so before something like that happens, mm, you're yeah. a bit bravado when you're young, aren't you, about violence? Mm. Oh, violence is cool, innit? You know, you go through a stage being a bloke where you're sort of in England where you're into soccer hooliganism for a bit, aren't you? Not yeah. doing it, but watching it videos and... Yeah, which I, is the reason why you had all these kind of things of the Danny Dyer stuff coming out, the football factory, I read ID, gang, you know. Gangster books, like, oh, yes, you know, violence. Oh, why can't I be violent? And then it happens to you, mm. or happens more to you, should I say, mm. and you think, no, it's horrible. Fighting's yeah. horrible. And I think this film... I can see why people say it's positive about fighting because it is positive about fighting his film. Well, but the fighting itself is not the thing, is it? It's about the connection between men, isn't a, it? It's, yeah, there's a there's a camaraderie between the people that are fighting in this. There's a difference between having an agreement. But they're again saying that you see, you, you know, you you look at a boxing match. Surely the boxers enjoy fighting each other. Otherwise, why on earth would you do it, right? The same with uh, is it MMA? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is really brutal. And I, I'm, I, I can't watch it. No, I can't. And funny enough, actually, since that incident you were talking about, I struggle quite a bit with with any kind of watching any kind of real real violence. I have the utmost respect for anybody who does it because there's no way I could do it. I think the thing is, is that when you because this is so well wrote, where it's a group of people that are getting together to do one particular thing, and the rules are clear. The rules yeah. are very clear. As soon as that person taps you on the back or says stop, you stop. The same thing about the fact that if it looks like the person that hasn't been able to stop but they're unconscious, you stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone helps each other up. And they go, it's a bit like the old days when we used to go moshing. I remember that time, the first time I went, you took me to uh, the Institute and I was having yeah, a jump yeah, yeah. And I think Shane Embry from uh, from Napalm Death was jumping in as well. And I got smacked so hard, I went down like on the, uh, like a ton yeah. of bricks on the floor. But the guy who did it picked me up, and then we carried on jumping about. But then he turned around and he checked that I was okay. And I went, yeah, that was great. And he goes, good on you, mate. 
And it was that kind of nice kind of thing because it was an agreement in, when you do marching in. I'm not saying the ones that you get in New York might be slightly different because that yeah. was a lot of violence. But certainly in Britain where you, you make sure no one's getting trampled on, you make sure everybody's okay, yeah, but you're yeah. there to have a good time. I think that's the same with Fight Club on, on this aspect where they're all there together. When you look at it from a different point of view, when I got beat up by yeah. six guys it, and I had my head used as a football, it's horrible. It's that's, horrible. That's not right. And and also then you have to ask the question about the kind of people that do that. Now that fight came about through nothing at all. That was just them being arseholes to the bouncer and me saying, "Ah, oh, you don't want to mess with them, mate. That that you know that can be a bit hard." Who the fuck are you talking? That's where that comes. But then me and you had to have the consequence of that of walking home because no taxi would take me. Yeah, which I yeah. still I still find really quite annoying the fact that I still don't know why I didn't go to the police station if I Oh yeah. Because but... yeah. <laughs> the thing is, we were in shock. No, shock. You were yeah. in shock. And yeah. you just it's that fight or flight. And our general thing is flight, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Get away. Let's go home. Let's go, let's go home. Let's get oh, home. Which means walking. we had to walk oh. two hours. <laughs> We've uh, congealed I mean you know, I, I still remember that day when, when uh, my girlfriend at the time kind of opened the door and I tried to hide the injuries with a pair of sunglasses. I mean, really, like that was going to work. But I but think that's the same. Yeah. That is the reality of like, I, I always remember that day because of that film and then that violence. And you're thinking, stylized violence, real violence are so different. Mm. And people have got a habit of taking it out of that. And I think that's what I can see why a lot of people with these films, like, I think if you watched this film when you were too young, Mm. Right. So if you watch this film and you're like, we were watching Eleven, are you really going to understand? No. That oh wow. Would you would you around, punching people? They all love it. Well, yeah. no, no, no. Would you That's class this the same then as? Now we were talking. Funny enough, we were talking about this the other day at work about the differences between train spotting and human traffic. Yeah, now, yeah. The drug taken in human traffic, although they take the piss out of train spotting, is is generally ecstasy, oh, speed, and uh, yeah. smoking dope. Right? It's a laugh in it. It's it's kind of how do you, I suppose you call it social etiquette drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you're using it, you know, it's it's more so, as in in train spotting, it's heroin, crack cocaine, yeah, the, yeah. the the hard drugs, right? So I suppose if you was to tick one of them films, which would be more like Fight Club, you'd probably go more towards human traffic, because they're using drugs in this for enhancing their night out. In Fight yeah. Club, they're using fighting and violence to exactly. enhance their life, they, yeah, to have meaning. Because yeah. they've got nothing else, and there's that, like, there is that thing, like I said, Chuck Mahoney talk about a lot, that, you know, if a man's not fighting, right, he talked about with war. When a man's not going to war, what is he going to do with his life? Mm. Where, where's that energy that he's always had for centuries going to go? Where yeah. is it going to go? And it's like, and he was saying, well, you know, there'll be a time when men will start fighting again. I suppose you've got like them white colour boxings a lot like that, isn't it? Mm, yes, yes, very it's much bit, so. It's off the, it's off the books, really. It's not really legal. What people go and do it, don't they? Normal men, we know mm. it. Men we, in the well, fifties will go yeah. and punch the shit out of each other mm. and have a hug after the fight. Yeah. Which to me, I can't get me round. No, no. But we again. We're not that way. We're not that way inclined, you know. Yeah. I'd much rather go to the cinema or to go and have a really nice coffee. Is <laughs> my, yeah. my, but again, though, no, it's a, is it doing any harm? As long as, you, as long as there are those rules and those rules are there for a specific reason, I don't think I don't think you can you can go wrong with it. Of course, that's not saying some things are going to go wrong. Like in this film, ultimately, it all starts to go too far when they're starting to make an explosives. They're blowing up banks, which is all fun. Um, I mean, the the ending is quite 
interested in because it goes all the way through of them building his group up, building his club up, which I suppose then in essence becomes a cult as it's opposed a cult. to being it a club. A cult, isn't it? Because they are following two people stroke one person. Yeah. And then it all comes down to them blowing up the banking societies. Now, all of those buildings that you see blown up in this film are all owned by 20th Century Fox. All right. Even the Nakatomi Plaza is in yeah. that shot where the building comes down. That's Nakatomi Plaza. So because they use that so they wouldn't get sued by other corporations. Also, other interesting fact, in every scene, now I haven't checked this out. This is only on the behind the scenes thing. There's a Starbucks coffee cup in every single shot. <laughs> All right. But ironically, when the coffee shop comes to get exploded, it's not a Starbucks one. They didn't want to have their name blown up. <laughs> you know, interesting like that. Do you see that the only it's in my uh, it's in the new copy of Empire that in China the re-edit films. Have you heard about all this stuff? Yes, this one is very much ended at a certain point. <laughs> now that is terrible that the edited people, it's a gun been prong their version of Netflix, hasn't it? And it gets to the ending and then it comes up that I got arrested. <laughs> yeah, that I think it I crazy think it thing to do. Yeah, it could be changing what the film's about. Yeah, but they so, can't have it. You don't see you don't see him shoot himself in the face, right? Which is a mad scene. Oh, and he said, I'm all, right. I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, he's all right. But of course the Tyler Durden character goes, now, do you know how they did that? Right. Right. What they did was they they looked at trying to work out how to how to do it with hurting Edward Norton. So they actually fired a air pressure gun into the side of his cheeks. So that's when you saw his cheeks blow out. Oh, right. And then they CGI'd the blood coming out the back of him. And then they just obviously he had some spit in there as well. So they didn't we, even cut. So that even that's cut out as well. Even the shit. Yeah, because it starts to parts of it start to blow up. Don't know anyway. Always got things. So I, I don't think that's in it. I don't think that's in it. I'm sure it just ends. So he kind of, I might be wrong on that. I might be wrong on that because that's even worse. If he always cut before then, that means there's still two people. So you don't, you still don't get the twist of Tyler Durden, even no. though he's saying, I'm not here. You're shooting at a van. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't have somebody in it. It's like that bit where you see him being dragged across the floor. You're thinking, yeah. how does he do that? That's that very bit, weird. That makes sense, does it? That bit. No, it's that very bit it's, he's been dragging himself because you can't drag yourself. No. No. Now, did you you watch this on uh, Disney? Did you? I watched it on Netflix. Oh, okay. Oh, it's on Netflix. I watched I mean, it on Disney. Oh, yeah, I love it's on Netflix. Yeah, crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Now, on the DVD, uh, I'll give you some interesting facts before we end the show. Uh, after the copyright warning, there is another warning on the DVD. The warning is from Tyler Durden, and he's only there for a second. And uh-huh. it says, "If you are reading this, then this warning is for you." Every word you read of this is useless fine print, is another second of your life. Don't you have other things to do? Is your life so empty that you honestly can't think of a better way to spend these moments? Or are you so impressed with authority that you give respect and credence to all who claim it? Do you read everything you're supposed to read? Do you think everything you're supposed to think by what you're told you should want? Get you out of your apartment. Meet a member of the opposite sex. Stop the excessive shopping and masturbation. Quit your job. Start a fight. Prove you're alive. If you don't claim your humanity, you will become a statistic. You have been warned, Tyler. That's brilliant. All right. I've never seen that. All right. Yeah. What, what else is on that DVD? Uh, I do believe there is another cock shot. 
Ah, there is another bit of that where, um, which of course is well known uh, for being in some Disney films of uh, people attaching various uh, nude images of people in, in, in those kind of things. Um, the only other, oh, I've got two things that you might, might quite like uh, this. The visible breath in the cave scene, which is where he sees the penguin, is recycled Leonardo DiCaprio breath from Titanic. Oh, <laughs> that's very good. You know, I'd like to know, you know the house that they live in? Yeah. Right. Is that a real house? Do you know? No, it's a set. It was a set. There's not yeah, a real house. You can always tell if it's a set because if it's got water in it, like it does, not it? Ah, right. Yeah. So it's a bit like the Ghostbusters house in Ghost, the new Ghostbusters film. You know, it looks bloody amazing, but there's no yeah. way you could have a house that, that this, you know, this dismantled and, and so terrible as it actually is. It's like an amazing house. Oh, yeah. There's two two real life things happen in this film. One, when um, the narrator hits Tyler in the ear, that was real. He did actually hit him in the ear. Brad Pitt wasn't expecting it. He was supposed to miss him, punching him. But David Fincher whispered his ear, no, punch him in the ear, see what he does. And that, and if you look closely, Brad Pitt's He's obviously going, what the hell you did? But if you watch closely, Edward Norton's laughing. But they kept it in. And they kept it in, so that's the scene. Good, that's really good, isn't it? The scene where they're, they're hitting golf uh, balls off the yeah, thing, yeah, they're actually that. hitting the catering truck, that noise that you hit the catering truck, and they are pissed when they're doing that bit of the film. Oh, are they? Yeah, yeah. Well, so. it's no surprise. It's not a surprise Brad Pitt's pissed. <laughs> no, not at all. Not not at all. I think he's probably pissed and high for about 20 years. <laughs> I I, I, a little bit like Matthew McConaughey and uh, Woody Harrelson. Well, no, Woody Harrelson's a bit cleaner now these days, isn't he? But, yeah, but uh, he, he cleaned up at 58. <laughs> That ain't bad going, though, is it? You know I mean? That ain't bad going. <laughs> but I, I think, I mean, it, I must admit, I remember you having this book. I'm sure, correct me if I'm wrong, did you not have this book on holiday? Wasn't this your book you were reading when it was on holiday? I it thought was. so. Yeah. I yeah, read yeah. yeah. this and Choke and Survivor. He's in a brilliant book called Nonfiction. Mm. It's great. It's, when he leave, it's like his only nonfiction book. He called it Nonfiction. And it's about, he goes around America and meets all unusual people. Like yeah. he's hanging around with like um like a gay wrestling team, like Collins wrestling gay team and a bloke who builds castles for millionaires. Right. And okay. It's absolutely amazing. But that's a great book. But I stopped reading it because I think well, it's, like it's like growing up. When mm. you read it at our age, it's like, oh god, I don't read about young people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Before we before we go, we do have a new TV series starting on Thursday, I think, which is the television version of uh, Len Dayton's The Ipcris File. Um, I, it, it looks the, it looks amazing. The thing because I love the Ipcris File. Can I tell you something about the Ipcris? We've done the Ipcris File in it. I love yeah. the Ipcris File. I don't like the other two. Okay, don't well, like the interesting thing is that the Ipcris File, the film version, has no relation to the book. <laughs> no. Nah. So the, what we're going to see is actually the, the televised version of Len Dayton's book. There's hardly any any stuff in the film that is from the book. So you get, that's why you get to know more about Harry Palmer's character. Still not called Harry yeah. Palmer. Should be noted in the book, he's never referred to as Harry Palmer. That is was he a called Harry name. Palmer in the TV series? I should think no. they probably will do, but in the book he has no name. Because it's no. interesting because Tom Hollander, great actor, is playing um, uh, Dolby. In it, which yeah, is yeah, the yeah. Nigel Stock character, who, that. if you if you know the film, the Nigel Stock character, not, not Nigel Stock, sorry, um, oh, the, I can't remember, I can't remember his name now. The 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 major anyway, major. Yeah, 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 yeah. He has been a bad guy in it. 
so it's kind of like, oh, hold on a minute. That's that's interesting. So that's going to be, I'm really interested in that. Now, I was going to buy the Ipcris file to have delivered to me tomorrow in an attempt to try and read it in three days. You know me, though. The chances of that happening would be very slim. <laughs> Is it the same basic story? I don't know. It's I, probably I, the Ipcris, isn't it? Because that's the... Yeah, but I say it's, 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 but it's based on the book, not the film. The film is the film is very, very thinly based on the book to the point where I don't, according to what I read yesterday, there's hardly any of the book in the film, the Ipcris file. So it's kind of like, hmm. They okay. that quite a lot then, though, didn't they? I mean, films yeah, in. yeah. Well, it's especially with the James. Like... Yeah, well, James Bond films, a classic example for that. Octopussy and, uh, you know, and uh, the Living Daylights. Not Living Daylights. I think Living Daylights. I come from a very short novel. And so short yeah. stories. So and James Bond have been doing it, have been doing that for years, kind of thing. So it will be interesting to see what. what I'm really looking forward to it. I must be because I like the fact it looks so amazing. Oh, it looks so 60s as well. And it's kind of thing. I hope Amazon now that they own the Bond kind of licensing, although they're not <laughs> apparently they aren't pissing on Eon's chips. That, uh, there's so much of a scope for being able to do a 1950s. What did you? Hear? They talked about that. They said that they want to do a, TV, a Bond series that they had ran yep. the Bond... Um, ran and the time. in this day and age, I think it'd be brilliant. Mm. They could take the time on it, right? And they could make, you know, some of them... You could have about M, couldn't you? could have a think about M, because, mm. you know, a story about how someone's become M. That would be an amazing series. Yeah, or, I mean, not about Bond, because you can't do... I'm saying that. Could you do a Bond series? I suppose you could, couldn't you? Well, it's you could do. You couldn't. Yeah, I mean, you could do. Star Wars, it would but ex- exactly, Star Wars yeah. series, and now it's actually better than the bloody films, isn't it? Exactly. And if you if you actually decide to go and do it set in the 1950s, I suppose the only thing you've got to be a little bit careful about. I mean, I suppose you can get away with it because it's like I'm not I'm not, I'm not comparing these two things, but if you watch Call the Midwife. It has social issues that happen in during the fifties and the sixties. Yeah, yeah. So you've got racism and you've got sexism because obviously you know you've got this thing of nurses and doctors and all this kind of stuff. So it's really well. That's what I say to you. I know it's not your cup of tea and you don't watch it, but the writing in Call the Midwife is fabulous because it does deal really well with social issues. You look at having the Bond films. If you had Live and Let Die on there now, if you, I don't think you've ever read any of the Bond novels, but I would like to. Well, I'm more than happy to lend you them. The, the Live and Let Die is very. It's not a hard read. It's a little bit of a hard read coming from where we are now because we look at stuff through our eyes. Yeah. You know, there's some of the wording in there, you know, negress. There's a negro card in that. that yeah. You know, it does kind of think, ooh, this is a bit... But, again, it's wrote in the 1950s. So you could easily do that and have those people speaking those words and then almost like as a little bit of a reminder as, yeah, this is how far we've come instead of using those words to those people. But that's what it was in the 50s. I think it'd be an ideal thing to do. But, again, we'll, we'll just have to wait. Because and... like Daniel Craig's not happy about that. He's like, said the car... I thought, I should, well, shut up. You don't you know... Don't... No, it did exist before him, and that's yeah. what pisses a lot of people off with him. He, he thinks he's got the right now to make all calls on Bond, and I yeah, no, you're not involved in any of it now. Just an that's actor, he's just yeah. an actor. The ones well, that you wrote were the were the rubbish ones, weren't they? Well, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I know we, we won't go into it now, but there's really there's only two of his films that are really good, uh, now, right? And yeah, that's it. So uh, you know, and, uh, the last one was not good in my mind. Now that I've watched it three times, I can yeah, say yeah, I, don't, I don't think I'll be I'll be I'll probably watch Die Another Day before I watch No Time to Die. <laughs> What? At least, at least it's a bit of fun in that, and at least you get a bit of Pierce Brosnan underwater adjusting his tie. Always yeah, time for a bit of Brosnan. Theme tune as well. Well, as Dying of a Day doesn't. Oh, I like Dying of a Day. What the Madonna yeah. team? I like it. That I is like terrible. It. She literally, oh, picked, she literally picked that up out of her waste paper basket yeah, and sent it in. 
<laughs> it's dire. It's terrible. And she's in it. No. Oh, no, yeah, that is really bad, isn't it? Anyway, <laughs> yeah, that seems all good. scenes, really crap. Anyway, anyway I don't anyway. like that bit. It's got no. the worst effect ever in as well. <laughs> the, the worst effect ever. Yeah, with his, he's doing a uh, surfing down an ice ice fall, <laughs> clearly on a winch. It don't look good. <laughs> Awful. I, you know, no. There's even Bollywood. Even that Spider-Man Bollywood did it better, yeah. or or the Bollywood Superman where he's clearly on a plank of wood, yeah, yeah, yeah. in a, a thirty-five degree angle. No, it is awful. It is awful. Um. So what do we know? What I mean, we we got ideas of what we're doing. You do now. I've forgotten, but hopefully you'll remember. What are we doing next? I thought we talked about. Like, we got the things this morning, weren't we? It was like Lost Boys. Yeah, I think we should have something funny next. Yeah. <laughs> We'll talk about, talk about, we'll talk about, yeah, we wouldn't say that because we don't know. <laughs> we'll no. make some stuff up. I mean, we'll we'll just... talk about lots of stuff. We'll talk about it tomorrow and we'll put it on. Okay, we'll, well, talk about, we'll talk about it tomorrow. Yeah, well, I'm going to release this tomorrow night. I'm going to, I'm going to release Waffle from now on, hopefully, <laughs> yeah. uh, the very last day of the month. So it's something to go into the next one. So tomorrow, beans February is such a short month. It'll be the 28th, I think it is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll edit a bit tonight and I'll, I'll do the final edit tomorrow after we've spoken about yeah, it and we'll then I'll. About. I'll throw it up. Anyway, that's the episode. Thanks for listening. And uh, we shall see you next month. Goodbye. You've been listening to Waffle On. If you'd like to get in touch or join the mailing list, you can by emailing the guys at waffleonpodcast at gmail.com. You can also have some waffly fun by joining their Facebook page. Simply type in Waffle On Podcast in the search bar and away you go. This has been a Waffle On production. Copyright Simon Meddings and Mark C. Kelly. Tasted any pink lipstick and that's when I'm She whispered in my kitchen that she really